hear the word of God from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering and persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of God for the world. I want to suggest to you this morning that language matters. The language that we choose to use about important things matters because it shapes how we think and how we behave. Sometimes very clearly and other times subtly. So we discovered the powerful ways of language here and the ways that it shaped behavior about 13 years ago at Hyde Park. I remembered this very well. The church recognized that we weren't very good at welcoming first-time people. Here's why. They would come on campus confused. They would. We had some things working against us. Now, you have to remember, this is pre-Google, pre-MapQuest. So you had a bunch of one-way one way, uh, streets to try to get here. You had a bunch of different parking lots. You have different buildings and different blocks. And people walked onto campus confused. There were no parkers. There were no greeters. And so you had people kind of walking around like this, right? And see, the word we used for that is we want to welcome visitors. We're going to welcome some visitors. Now, some of you can remember the time at church when we used to say, hey, first-time visitors, stand up and introduce yourselves. That's pretty unawesome, isn't it? <laughs> Do you think that system is designed for them or for us? It's for us, right? And our needs. Because language, when you think about visitors, visitors are people in your life who you want to come, but you're not expecting them to come. You actually probably want them to leave after a couple of days, especially when they come out of town and they're your family, maybe, maybe not, right? So language 
is really, really important. Guest changes things. So when you see somebody as a guest, it's going to change your mindset and your behavior. And so the team started thinking about this, and you plan and prepare more for a guest, don't you? You want people from the street to their seat to be walking on sunshine. So that they can experience the power of God. That's why we say parkers and greeters are so important. It's not just saying, hey, it's about providing a pathway to experience the power of God through worship. So this is what we learned. We learned language was important because what we say is what we spray. Did you ever hear that saying when you're growing up? Say it, don't spray it. Well, we actually want you to say it and spray it as it relates Yeah, yeah, I I shouldn't have done that, sorry. (laughs) Threw everyone off, I apologize. But here's the thing, first time guests didn't change the people coming onto campus, did it? Who did it change? Changed us. It didn't change the people coming onto campus, it changed the way we saw them. What does that have to do with anything? This brings us to love the sinner, hate the sin. Okay, what does that mean to you? You hear that? Shout it out. Love the sinner, hate the sin. What does it mean to you? Judgment. Judgment. Hello. What's that? Heard, I heard a whisper over here. What does it mean to you? When you hear that, when you hear that, Hypocrisy. pardon me? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Anybody else? So first, let me start. It, we kind of spilled the jelly beans in the uh, in the lobby as it relates to the uh, the sermon series. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. That phrase is not in the Bible. Two people said it. One a Christian and one a Hindu. St. Augustine. Gandhi. So St. Augustine was uh, a late 4th, early 5th century bishop. He was writing to nuns, trying to encourage them in their walk in faith. And this is what he said. He said... In the letter, he says, have a love for mankind and hatred of sins. I'm not sure that he wanted it to follow us so many years later to use the same saying. Gandhi's 1929 autobiography says, hate the sin, not the sinner. Quote, hate the sin, not the sinner. So I love when really, really stringent Christians use this and they don't know they're quoting a Hindu. That brings me great joy. So besides that, what we forget is the la- after those six words, we forget everything else that he said. I bet you've never heard the, the rest of the quote. Let's, see, let's take a look at it. Hate the sin, not the sinner, period. Oh, gosh, it continues. Is a precept, though easy to understand, it is rarely practiced. And that is why the poison of hatred spreads throughout the world. Ooh, man, we should, we should, we should start quoting the other part of that, right? powerful so now on the flip side while the bible doesn't exactly say the phrase it does point to it doesn't it jesus responds to his critics when they say why are you eating these with these tax collectors and these sinners and he says i'm not called to the righteous i'm called to sinners i'm called to people who need healing and need a physician right so he says that that's the first thing now what most Christians that use that phrase point to is our first verse today, which says, let love be genuine. It also can be translated, let love be without hypocrisy. 
Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. That's all good stuff. So that points to it. And Paul reminds us in the third chapter of Romans, he says that all people, all of us, have fought, say again, you got it, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You got it, right? So we have all sinned, all of us. And if you don't think you have, I would love to connect a little computer monitor to your thought world and connect it to that screen so we could watch all week long, right? Any, any takers? I'm not. So we're all, we all have sin. Here's the other part that's true. We should hate what's evil, right? Like kids getting hurt. We should hate that, right? We should hate that sin. People being excluded and poverty and racism and bigotry towards other people of any class or sexual orientation. We should hate that, right? Absolutely, we should. So in so many ways, this saying is true, and it's easy to understand, but there are tensions with living it out, and I want to suggest to you the language starts us off in the wrong place. It's the starting, it's like guest and visitor. Guest starts us one place, and visitor starts us in a different place. So love the sinner starts us in a different place. I want us to think about pivoting from it to something else. So here's going to bring it home for you. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I want you to picture somebody in your mind who their behavior has hurt you or someone in your life in some way. It could be something big or something little. It could be a family work, family coworker, could even be a politician. You got them? Okay. Hold on to that. Here we go. So how you think about them or what your starting place is is how you will actually love them or not love them, actually. And we know we are called to love those people in our minds, people who sin. We know that we are because the church, that's you and me and us, that's our, you've chosen Hyde Park as your faith community, is called to a distinctive mission and a powerful mission. And it's to make God's love real to the world so that people would know and come to experience in their heart and their mind and their lives the power of Jesus Christ to break us out of anything that binds us and to make God's love real. You are called to that. I am called to that. Followers of Jesus are called to love people without condoning sinful behavior, right? We're called to love, but not condone. Because the world will know us by our love. John tells us that in John's gospel. So how do we do it? How can we find a way to love people we don't want to love? Or people who are behaving badly, like, that we don't condone their behavior, whatever that behavior is. How do we do it? Paul kind of helps us out. I, again, language matters, especially by you all. Love the sinner fixates us on the person's fallen state, on the person's brokenness. 
And Jesus, if you remember, and Paul, if you've read any of his letters, warn us over and over and over again about not judging. Let's see if you can get some of the scripture. Take the log out of your own before you take the speck out of your neighbor. That's right. Jesus never said, love the sinner, hate the sin. Never heard that fly out of his mouth. And you know what love the sinner, hate the sin makes us, puts us in? It puts us in the role of judge and it puts us in the place of feeling morally superior, doesn't it? Are you morally superior? Maybe you might be, but still, that's not what Jesus calls us to. So I want to give you another way to think about sin. So sin is that word that sometimes we don't understand, and it's like morally bad behavior. Sin is disorientation. Think of it as sin is fractured relationships in four directions. Fractured relation, broken relationships between me and God, between me and you, whether you've done something to me or not, between me and myself, and between this whole broken creation and the whole world. And what Christ does is restore relationship in those four directions. And the church is important to that. So, I want to suggest to you that you are to be the repairers of relationship. So here's the saying that I want you to flip and I want you to repeat it after me. Instead of love the sinner, hate the sin, how about love your neighbor, repair the brokenness? Can you say that with me? Love your neighbor, repair the brokenness. That is what Jesus says. Jesus says, love your neighbor. And it will, all the law will be fulfilled. And how do we do that? We don't just sit and say, I hate that sin. We participate in its reparation, its payment. It's fixing it. We participate with God to try to fix it. Now, using this phrase won't change that person in your mind. But it will change you. And it will change us. How we see people is how we will engage them. So, let's get to the scripture quickly. Paul offers lots of counsel in today's scripture. Now, if you look, read it in your Bible, often it'll have a section that like, kind of names the, the, the section. And this section is marks of a true Christian. I don't know who came up with that? But there's over 20-some imperatives that Paul wants us to do. It's, it's really kind of overwhelming. So I'm going to go through just some of what I see as the easier ones. Verse 9. Hate evil. Hold on to good. The way I would say it is hate the effects of brokenness and sin and hate and do something about it. Verse 15, celebrate with the joyful. Hang out with people who make you happy and who give you joy, right? Contribute and be hospitable. Give money to the mission of God and welcome those who are different than you. Hospitality in that wasn't just welcoming people to church and saying, hey, how you doing? Good Sunday. It was bringing them in to your home oftentimes, and welcoming them. Number 12, persevere in prayer. If you don't have a daily prayer practice, I encourage you to get one. 15, this might be harder, weep with those who weep. Here's the challenge. Don't insulate yourself from suffering in people in our community or people in your family or people around you who are suffering. Don't insulate yourself from that. 
Weep with those who weep. Don't have to solve all their problems, but be with them. So those are kind of the easier ones, and that's not even all of them. Here are some of the hard ones. Be patient in suffering. Yuck. Don't give up. If you're suffering, believe that God's with you. Verse 16. Uh, some of you aren't going to like this. Associate with the lowly. Get out of your bubble, whatever your bubble is, and develop relationships with people who don't, aren't a part of your status. This is annoying for many of us. Don't claim to be wiser than you are. We all want to appear wise or smart or whatever, right? Be humble. Now, this is the hardest of them all, in my opinion, these next two. Verse 14 and 17. Bless, feed, and give drink to your enemies, and don't repay evil with evil. What Paul is calling us is to end the vicious cycle, whether it's in our head, in our heart, or out in the world of hate. In verse 19, don't take vengeance. Let God dictate the outcome. It might give you a little perverse pressure to think if you do bless them and feed them and give them drink, that heaping coals will go on their head, right? It says that at the very end, but that's not what Paul is talking about. It's about change of our heart. Now, I bet Five minutes after you leave here, you're not going to remember any of what I just said. But I do believe that you can remember this. Love your neighbor. Repair the brokenness. Repair the relationship. Can you say that with me? Love your neighbor. Repair relationship. I'm going to tell you a personal story about a terrible sinner. This is my stepfather. And on Father's Day, I didn't even kind of put that together when I was writing it, but um, he was one of the more wounded human beings I've ever come in contact with with my life. He heard about every person he, he touched. And I hated what we would call a sin, but the truth was I couldn't extract my hatred for his behavior from him. I hated him a lot. I wanted to take vengeance. I wanted punishment. And you know who was in prison? Me. He wasn't. But when I re rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, I knew I had to live differently. I knew I had to forgive. I knew I had to love my neighbor and repair the brokenness, repair the relationship. It took a lot of therapy, prayer, and Jesus changing my heart. It took courage, and I don't mean that about me. I mean that about God changing me. We never held hands and sang kumbaya. That wasn't what repairing the relationship looked like. But you know what it did mean? It did mean I repaired my relationship with God about it. And I repaired my relationship with myself and had healing happen in my own life. And it actually sent me out to participate in God's transformation of the world. I worked at the Child Abuse Council for some years and worked with starting a resource center for dads because that's what God can do. God can restore whatever brokenness or woundedness of relationship we have in our life and he can bring something new out of it. I've witnessed countless numbers of people in this room take something that broke them 
And it's through that place God used it for something new. I've heard countless number of fifth steps in the 12-step program where people confess their brokenness, but they went on to do something and repair the relationships that made them so broken. So here's my challenge, invitation to you. Number one, that person or group you had in your mind, pray for him or her on your knees for the next week, every day before you get out of bed. Pray for them and ask God to bless them and change your heart. And if you can't do that, say, God, I can't do that. Just be honest. I'm so angry at them. Change my heart. That's number one. Number two, if you want to go through a process of really diving into loving your neighbor and loving your enemy and loving God, I want to invite you to a small group we're going to have Tuesday nights down at the portico starting in July. And you can sign up online like Debbie said. Brothers and sisters, what we say is what we spray. We can pivot from love the sinner and hating the sin to love your neighbor and repairing relationship. And by so doing, you're going to be living out God's mission for your life. And then also the final verse of our scripture today is verse 21, which says, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. And that's what you do when you love your neighbor and you repair relationships. Let's pray together. God of light and love, we give thanks for all the dads in this room, the way they shaped their kids, the way they lifted them up and continue to lift them up. For those that are grieving that their father is no longer here or that there was a hole in their soul shaped like their dad, we pray that you fill it. We pray for all the moms who have stepped up when dads are absent. But more than anything, we give thanks for you, our creator, our father, our mother, the one who brings us to wholeness and light and love. Send us out today remembering that we are called to love our neighbor and to repair the effects of sin. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We give back to God with our gifts and offerings. Everything that you give supports the church and the ministries of the church. We thank you for your generosity.